The name of the message today is The Believer's Prayer. The Believer's Prayer. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 61. Yeah, I'd like us to look at this psalm. Psalm 61. Here's a question. Does everyone in this world find themselves at one point or another in a time of need? Now we as believers have been showing our needy state, haven't we? And we know that we are in constant need. Constant need. All the time. And praise be to God, God doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't say, well, I don't think you're in much of a need right now. Even when we're in the smallest need, He's there with us, providing for us and taking care of us, whether we see it or not. That's the other thing. There's times the Lord's working in our lives and we don't even see it until after the fact. Or there's sometimes we probably won't see it. But it will be revealed to us eventually. My oh my. Do we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ find ourselves in a time of need? Well, yes. Constantly we find ourselves in a time of need. We are in constant need of grace and mercy from our great God, aren't we? Why are we in constant need? Because we're constantly sinners. I was talking to Joe Terrell yesterday. And he said, Wayne, if you really knew my thoughts and the people really knew my thoughts that I preached to, they wouldn't want to be around me. That's true of every believer, isn't it? We don't fully understand the wickedness in the sinfulness of our sin. But think of this. God knows. God knows the sinfulness of our sin. And then think of this. And yet He still loves us. Oh, my! God knows the sinfulness of our sin, and yet He still loves His people with an eternal love. That's remarkable. That's just remar- that's just astounding, isn't it? Because he's loved his people from eternity. There's never been a time when he hasn't loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were children of wrath, even as others in in appearance. But but we saw from that scripture in Thessalonians five that God has not pointed us appointed us to wrath. When's that been from? From eternity. Amen. We've never been appointed to wrath, but yet our sins had to be paid for, didn't they? Every single sin had to be paid for. And you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ, this, I found this this week, and this just knocked my socks off. We know that we're forgiven of all our sins, don't we? We know that we're forgiven of all our sins, past, present, and future, right? We know that. We know that. 
But little do we think often that God has made a provision for all our sins. They've already been provided for. Why? In who? In and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Bought and paid for we are by His precious, precious blood. Purchased. Fully redeemed. And I will put a step in the believer's walk, won't it? <laughs> Not because of anything with us, because we know we're so unworthy, but because of all what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. So where do we find comfort in our time of need? Well, as believers, we only have one place to go, don't we? Now, we can find comfort in friends and family, right? But even that's fleeting, isn't it? Because sometimes our friends let us down, sometimes our family let us down, right? You know, it's like the old preacher said, don't look to me all the time because I'm going to let you down. It's true. But there's one who will never let us down, who will ever hear us, who ever watches over us. I'm going to put a message together, hopefully for next week, about how the, the Lord's thoughts are towards us. Continually. Continually, beloved. They're fixed on us. As believers. See, we don't grasp that, do we? Because we're finite beings. We think, how can the Lord have thoughts for his, all his elect of all, all the ages, even the ones on earth and the ones in heaven? Because he's God. And his thoughts towards us are not evil. They're good. Because we're in Christ. I just gave you a part of the outline for the message, but that's okay. That's all right. Because it's comforting, isn't it? It's comforting. It's comforting to know that. So we're so needy, and yet the Lord is ever watchful over us. Ever watchful over us. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. We need comfort as believers, and we only find comfort, true comfort, in Christ. Comfort in the things of this world is fleeting, aren't they? If you put your, if you, if you take comfort out of the things of the world and, and, and think that, well, that'll bring me eternal comfort, no, it won't. Everything in this world is just going to disappear. But there's only one who's eternal. There's only one in whom we find eternal comfort. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Our comfort is in the eternal one, the Son of God who has redeemed us with his precious, precious blood and has saved us according to his mercy and his grace. So when we need comfort as believers, we turn to Christ. We turn to Christ. We turn to our great God and we cry out to him in prayer. And we'll see this brought forth in this wonderful song of David. The first point I'd like us to consider is that we see prayer springing from faith in God. Now, God-given faith, God-given faith will pray to our great God. Whether it's just this, God be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> it doesn't have to be some long, drawn-out prayer. God have mercy on me. Or, or when we're driving or when we're on our own, oh Lord, forgive me. And we know our sins are already forgiven, but we still cry out to him. I, another thing Joe Terrell brought up in... in um, our conversation yesterday that I found fascinating. He was talking about 
us confessing our sins. And he said the word confess in the Greek is actually means I agree. Scott Richardson used to say that we lay down our arms of battle against the Lord and we take sides with God against ourselves. So when we confess our sins, we're saying, God, I'm a sinner. We're agreeing with God. Hence the, hence the publican said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He's acknowledging his sinnership. And he's just saying, just God be merciful to me. That's what we do too as believers, isn't it? Oh Lord, just have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And he's an ever forgiving and loving God. It's wonderful. Let's look at this Psalm 61. And we'll see. We know that faith, faith is given to us. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Which Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 bring forth. Look at this in Psalm 61. David cries out with God-given faith. He says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. Hear my cry and attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Look at that. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So, several commentators have brought forth that this prayer is a prayer when Absalom was rebelling against David. So you could imagine how David would feel when his own son has turned against him and when his trusted advisors have turned against him. We can just imagine how he would feel. My, he'd be overwhelmed, wouldn't he? He'd be absolutely overwhelmed. David, we know, he went through several trials. Several trials and several temptations. And, you know, David was the one who saw his neighbor's wife and took her. And then had him sent to the front lines. And yet he is still a man after God's own heart. He's one who God has, has his eyes fixed upon. Now, David paid for that sin, didn't he? His child died. His house was in ruin. So there's consequences to his actions. But never forget, God doesn't punish the believer. God chastens the believer. In love. In love. So even, even when, uh, when, um, even when David was being chastened by the Lord, it was in love. It was an absolute love. And take note of the verse, one of the personal words. David prays to our great God. He prays to our great God. He cries out to Him. He's crying out here to Elohim, who is the mighty one. That's who he's crying out to. Elohim. And he's crying out to him during a time of, of, of trouble. He's crying out to him in a time of need. But notice how he says, my God. 
Is Elohim your God? Is He the one that you turn to in time of need? Because He's the only one who can help us. No one else can help us but Christ and Christ alone. And He says, Hear my prayer. My prayer. Hear my cry, O God. And attend unto my prayer. This is personal. My need. And that's what we do when we cry out to our Lord, don't we? Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Have you ever been really overwhelmed by a situation? Have you ever had a point where you feel like you're drowning? Because everything's going around and happening all around you and your thoughts are consumed with, with things that are going on in your life and it, you're just overwhelmed. You just That's how David feels. He's overwhelmed by the situation. His own son has turned against him. His trusted counselors have turned against him. And remember, David's a man of war. He's a soldier, soldier. Just like Joshua. And he's here, he's overwhelmed with the circumstances. We all have points where we feel overwhelmed by situations, don't we? There's a lot of people that feel overwhelmed with, with the coronavirus. There's a lot of people that feel overwhelmed with the political situation. There's a lot of people that feel overwhelmed about just things going on in the world. That's, if, we, if we're in that situation, that's when we need to cry out to our God. Because remember, Elohim is the strong and the mighty one. And he's ever there for us. He's right there. Waiting for us to cry out to him. And sometimes we don't even cry out. He's not waiting just for us to cry. He's already there. But here we see David by faith. And who's he crying out to? Well, he's crying out to the rock that's higher than I. You know, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Christ. He's that rock. Remember the scriptures declare? He's the one. Is he not the rock of our salvation? Is he not the cornerstone of our faith? He's the chief cornerstone. He's the one we look to in time of need. He's the one we cry out to. And again, these are personal words. Now we may find ourselves in a situation, I found myself in this situation before, where our friends just aren't around for us. People who we thought were friends, they just maybe deserted us in the situation. Or even family members turn against you because of what you believe, maybe. Or ostracize you because of what you believe. I've been in that situation. It's not a very pleasant situation. But God gives you strength to get through it. I can testify, God gives grace. It would have destroyed me if I ever won for Christ. 
and you get to a point where you're so overwhelmed, you, you don't understand the situation, you don't understand why the person's attacking you, especially if it's a family member, and you're overwhelmed. But if you ever find yourself in that situation, if you ever find yourself in a situation where, where a friend has forsaken you, or a family member has forsaken you, look to Christ. You, see, you know, I, I realized a long time ago that I'm not the first one that had this happen to me. Because the Lord says, I come. He comes with a sword, doesn't he? And he'll divide families right? and friends. And, and it's simply because of what Lord's done for us. And we don't understand that, do we? We sit there and go, why? It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Christ has saved me from all my sins. And they don't understand that, though. They would rather talk about things of the world, right? And we can talk about things that are going on. We can fully do that. But when the Lord opens the door, we're going to testify of Christ, aren't we? We don't have to we don't have to put our foot in the door and keep it open. I'm not talking about that. I'm that was me and religion. I'm not talking about that. But when the Lord opens the door, we, we tell people the great things that our God has done for us. Somebody one time told me, you know, it's all God with you, Wayne. God to this and God that and Thank you. That's a badge of honor. Because it is. Can you put that on my tombstone? It was all God with him. You know. It's true. My only answer to the situation in the world, the situation and things we see going on, is that the government of this world is upon his shoulders. He's in full charge. And the hardest thing for me to do, and is it so for you, the hardest thing for me to do is just rest in Christ when that's all going on. But you know, we're being taught that. Aren't we? This world is a teaching ground for us. We're in the school of Christ, beloved. We're being conformed to the image of the Son. And it's amazing. And we're being stones made ready, aren't we? And when it's our time, we're going to be placed in that heavenly temple. Forever. Forever. So take heed. Rejoice if, if you're persecuted for your faith. Rejoice. It's, a, it's hard, but rejoice. Because great is your reward in heaven. Who's our reward in heaven? I'm not talking about a bunch of crowns either. Who's your reward in heaven? Christ. Amen, brother. Christ is our reward in heaven. He told Abraham that. He said, I'm your exceeding reward. I am. He's the one who's redeemed us. He's the one who's purchased us with his own Precious, precious blood. And sometimes the enemies of God, like what was happening here with David, that his own son is an enemy of God. And sometimes the enemy of God's God, the enemy of God comes like a flood against his people, and they can be overwhelmed, and there can seem to be no way to escape. But always remember that our great God has told us that he'll never, never leave us nor forsake us. 
Brother Gary preached an excellent message on that last week. He would never leave us. He would never forsake us. Never. So this is why David's cry is to his God and to our God. Because he knows Elohim is the mighty one. He's seen things in his life. David, like us, could look back before he was saved and even after he was saved. Now that's something I look at. Is look back to before you were saved and you can see the hand of God in your life. Protecting you. Taking care of you. Even though we were shaking our fists at him. Why, why would he do that? Because his everlasting love is upon us. It does not change. And we can't grasp that, can we? We can't. But think of how much you love your wife, or how much you love your husband, or how much you love your kids. And again, that love is but just a little wee speck compared to how much Christ loves his people. And we love our wives, and we love our husbands, and we love our kids, don't we? And we love our family. But it's not even close to how much God loves us. That's comforting, isn't it? That's comforting. And so David cries out to the only one who can give him, a, uh, the only one who could, could um, give him comfort, the only one who could help him. There was really no one else who could help. Now, now, family and friends may try to comfort us in our times of need, but the only one who can give us true comfort is Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one who can give us give us peace. And all we see here, David, his sorrow, his his pain is revealed right before us. And he says this, O God, attend unto my prayer. Note that. O God, attend unto my prayer. I ask you, who but God could attend the, the prayers of all the elect on this earth at once? Because it's not just you and I crying out to God when we do. It's all the elect that are currently on this earth. Crying out to God. Sometimes at the same time. Now if we got four different people coming to us and telling us at the same time, we're going to be overwhelmed, aren't we? (laughs) But he has all the elect currently on this earth crying out to him. And he attends unto every single one of our prayers. That's incredible. That's who our God is. That's the God of the Bible. And David here says, Attend unto my prayer. Listen, Lord, Lord, please listen to my prayer. The word attend, attend unto in the Hebrew is, is one word, and it means to listen. Listen to my prayer, O Lord, please. It means to listen carefully. It doesn't mean just to listen, but it means to listen carefully. When you listen to someone, you've got your eyes fixed upon them and you are listening to them. That's what it means. So have confidence when you 
when you approach the throne of grace. Right? Because God is carefully listening to your cry. That's incredible. The basic significance of the term is to note the activity of paying close attention to someone, usually another person's words. Isn't that incredible? David says, Lord, please pay close attention to my words. And we know that what the Lord does, don't we? And he is the only one who could attend to David's prayers. Often the term functioned as an appeal to God to hear and respond to an urgent prayer, which we see here in verse 1 of our text, David urgently crying out to God. Again, who could attend all these cries of God's people? We know no man who could attend to all the cries of God's people or no woman who could attend to all the cries of God's people. But the scriptures bring forth, turn if you would, to Numbers chapter 11. The scriptures bring forth that Moses groaned under the burden of all the people. Remember? Remember all the people were coming to Moses and they were telling him all their grievances? He groaned under the weight of that. And this is not by any means telling, I, I, this is not by any means telling not to, not to bear one another's burdens. You can, you can write me and tell me of something that's burdening you and I'll pray for you. And it won't go nowhere else. I think that we as believers should pray for one another, especially the pastor. You, I love you guys and I want, I want to pray for you. Because I know you pray for me. And that's important. And look what though, look at this though, Moses, because he had everybody at once. Remember I said that four or five people come to you at once? You just be overwhelmed? Look at this in Numbers 11, 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I found not, have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all of this people upon me? My, oh my. And Paul, Paul had a burden for the churches as well. In First or Second Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, he said, "Besides these things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." Now think of this too. Think of the think of the burden. We give our burdens to the Lord, right? When we cry out to Him. Think, we don't know the number of the elect on the earth currently, but it's a lot of folks. It's a remnant, but it's a lot of folks still. And think of this. 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, a million, two million, we don't know. Crying out to God, laying their burdens upon Him all at once. And He attends to every single one. He attends to every single one of them. He's not overwhelmed. He's not overwhelmed. What mind but the eternal mind of God could attend to all those prayers? No one but the eternal one could attend to all those prayers. What love but infinite, unchanging, 
love of God, God does not grow weary of hearing the cries of his people. In fact, he wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to lay our burdens before him. He already knows what they are, right? Not one of them catch them by a surprise, do they? But we're to cry out to our great God, aren't we? And we do. We do. We pray for one another. We pray for our lost family members and friends or co-workers. We pray for one another. We pray for the church. We pray for other gospel preachers who are proclaiming the gospel. We have a lot to pray for, don't we? And then we're needy ourselves. God attends to every one of your cries. God listens carefully to every one of your cries. Have you ever had a friend who would attend to everything you told them? I don't think anybody's ever had a friend like that, have they? But Jesus Christ is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's not like anyone else. <laughs> He's the infinite, unchanging one, beloved. And he attends unto our prayer. Look at this in Psalm 61 too. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Look at that. So we've been overwhelmed in our lives. But we always go to the rock that is higher than I. Think of this. Who's above all our troubles? Who's above anything that goes on in this world? God. Where's Christ right now? He's, remember, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's right there. He's above all these situations going on. Nothing can reach him. No one can take him from his throne. And he's ever watchful from that throne over us. And he's ever attending our prayers. He hears every cry. He even hears the things that you don't cry out about that groan in your spirit. He knows all about us. Even the very hairs of our head are numbered. That's how intimately the Lord knows his people. We do have a friend who will listen to every single thing we say. We do have a friend who will listen to every single one of our cries. We do have a friend who we can take every burden, even burdens that we cannot talk to any other human about. We do have one who we can take them to. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who shed his precious, precious blood for us. So if you find yourself overwhelmed, by situations in your life. I have many times, I'll admit it, I've had many times where I've felt overwhelmed. It's not a sign of weakness. No. It's just, I know my need. I know my need. Sometimes people look at 
being needy is weakness. Well, I'm not ashamed to say I'm weak. I'm not ashamed to say I'm, I'm needy. I'm not ashamed to say that in my, my weakness he is strong. I'm not ashamed to say when I'm overwhelmed I just cry out to my king. Because <laughs> I, can't, I can't take care of the situation, can you? See, usually when we're overwhelmed, we're brought to the end of our rope. Aren't we? We're brought to the point where we're like, Lord, I do not know what to do. And there's the one who's been standing with you, beside you through the whole thing. Attending to every single cry and every tear you drop. Every heartache you feel. Anguish of the heart, anguish of the mind. He's right there. He's ever with you. And one, one guy we were reading this week, he says he just takes your hand. And he guides you. There's a scripture that says that the Lord took a blind man by the hand and led him out of the city and then gave him sight. Got him away from all that stuff. All the noise of the city and healed him. But it says he took him by the hand and he led him out. Isn't that wonderful? My. You know, and I, I know in our culture that man holding hands is not is not looked upon, but in, in Eastern culture, that it, it happens. And I'll never forget when my son was little, he put his hand in mine. My daughter puts her hand in my hand. She still holds my hand to this day. It's incredible. But to think that the Lord, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm going through all those things, He's ever with me and He's got His hand upon me. Oh my. Number one, I can't stray that way, can I? <laughs> he sure keeps us close by, doesn't he? And he does. So if you find yourself in an overwhelming situation or trial, it may seem huge before us. Let me tell you, God's going to make it a molehill. He's going to make it a plane, as a matter of fact. He's going to trim it down to nothing. And have you ever cried out to the Lord? Let's turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Let's look at this, this psalm here. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. As the heart penneth after the water brooks, so penneth my soul after thee, O God. Elohim, the mighty one. My soul thirsteth for, for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Look at that. This is a cry of David, a cry of a believer saying, My soul thirsteth after you. 
Before the Lord saved you, did your soul thirst after Him? It didn't, did it? It didn't. But now it does. After you're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, our souls thirst after Christ. Remember, He's the water of life. He's the Lord of our righteousness. Oh my. My tears have been my meat day and night. Will they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Now look at that. We know that David's enemies said, Where is your God? In Psalm 115, I believe it is. He said, My God's in the heavens. He's ruling and reigning. You know, I know of a preacher. He's not preaching still, but I know of a preacher that uh, there was an accident. He was working on heavy equipment machinery. And he had his son there with him that day, and his son was killed. And one of those men that worked with him said, Where's your God now? What an awful thing to say to someone who's just lost their son. And he said to that man, My God's in the heavens. And he's ruling and reigning right now. And I imagine he said that, and I know that preacher personally. I heard that story from him. I can imagine the pain and anguish that he was feeling. And then that enemy of God heaped that upon him. But see, God gave him comfort, didn't he? God gave him fortitude to say those words. My God's in the heavens. And I imagine he said that through tears flowing down his face. And he said he's still reigning. He's Gene Harmon. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Gene Harmon. He used to preach in Rescue California. That's who it was. I, I just couldn't... Same thing happened to Henry when his son was killed in Vietnam. Somebody came up to him and said, Where's your God now? He said the same thing. My God's in the heavens. He's still there. And look at this. David says here, where is that God? His tears say that. When I remember those things, I pour out my soul in me. Now look at this. He's remembering things that God's done for him. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God and the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. So he goes He goes to the temple. We come here, right? Do you get comforted when you come here? We come here and we get comfort, don't we? Amidst all the things that are going on. I look forward to Sundays to be able to meet with you all and to be able to go through the Word of God because it brings, it brings comfort. And then look what David says here in verse 5. Now, David obviously is in a state of depression. We've seen, and, and you know, people say, well, how can David? David's a man after God's own heart. You're saying he was depressed. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like you and I. Yeah. I had one time someone told me, they said, well, I don't ever suffer through depression. I said, well, you're going to find a time when you will. And you may have already went through it and not even know you went through it. 
Because depression, like anxiety, has a thousand different faces. But it's all the same. You ever been downcast in spirit? You ever been downcast about things going on or things in, in your life or things in other people's lives? Downcast. Without hope. Praise God, though, there's hope for the hopeless, aren't there? There is. Look what David says here in verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Now he's reflecting inwards, isn't he? And he says, Why am I cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Look at this. Hope thou in God. There's hope for the hopeless, beloved. Her eyes shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And then in verse 11 he says again, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance. Now how could David say that? How could he turn so quickly? Because he gets his eyes off himself in the situation that he's going through. And he gets his eyes on Christ. And he knows the joy that he feels when he's with God's people. Hearing the word of God preached and proclaimed. Building him up in Christ. Because remember, David had the same faith we have, right? He looked to Christ. He looked to Christ. What was the, you, can, you can sum up gospel preaching in two statements. Two statements. Christ is sufficient for all. Number one. Christ is sufficient to cover all our sins. Christ is absolutely sufficient in all things for us. That's statement number one. Because what does Paul write? He writes, Christ is all. He's everything to me, right? If you take Christ away from me and from you who believe, we don't have anything, do we? But what do we have in Christ? Everything. Amen, sister. Everything. So there's point number one. Christ is sufficient for all things in our lives. Pardon for our sin. Justification before God. Redemption. We're purchased by His precious blood. And then the next thing is, Christ is supreme over everything. The supremacy of Christ. In Him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead Father. In Him, what does Paul write? In ye are what? Complete in Him. There's the all-sufficiency. And in the supremacy is um, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Christ. He's God incarnate in the flesh. All preaching can be boiled down to those two points. Because we need a substitute, don't we? You've heard me say, in the heart of the gospel is substitution and satisfaction, right? Well, who's sufficient? Who's sufficient to pay for all our sins? Christ. He's sufficient for all. All our needs. All 
even things that seem so insignificant to us. He's sufficient for all those things. And He's ever with you. He will never, ever, ever leave you. And He's supreme. Anything we see going on in this world, He's over it all. He's high above it. He's high and lifted up, beloved. And nothing can touch Him. No one can take Him from His throne. He's all supreme. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the angels in heaven bow down before Him and they worship Him and they cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. That is our Savior. All the times that, that God appeared to His people in the Old Testament, that was the Word of God. And who is the Word of God? The Lord Jesus Christ. When Moses received the law, and the Lord said, I'll let my goodness pass by thee. That was Christ. That was the Word of God. And then, we could never fulfill one jot or tale of the law. And the very one who gave the law to Moses becomes a man. God incarnated in the flesh. And he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. It's still there, isn't it? It's holy. But he says, I came to fulfill it. For who? For his people. Because the scripture says he came to save his people from their sins. Are you a sinner? You need Christ. You may not think you're a sinner. You may not think you're a deed. You're in desperate need of Christ. And all we as the people of God, the only one who's made us to differ is God Himself. He's the only one who's made us to differ. And the only reason that we are saved sinners is because of the grace and mercy of God. And we as sinners still in this body continue to see our desperate need for Christ. I ask you who are believers, do you need Christ more now than you needed Him five years ago? Or four years ago? Or a year ago? Do you need Him more now? Yeah, because we see our sinfulness more, don't we? And see, again, what Brother Joe said, we're just confessing to God that we're in agreement with Him that we're sinners. And think again what I mentioned earlier. Despite all that sinfulness of ours, it does not change how God feels about His people. Why? If someone does us wrong, we're like, I'm like, you know, 
Right? And we've broken His laws. We've sinned against... You know, who have we sinned against, really? Even if we sin against another person, who have we really sinned against? Remember, Joseph said, I've sinned against God. He said to Potiphar's wife, you're going to make me... You, you want me to sin against my God and Potiphar. But first he said, my God. That's who we sin against. My. And yet, he sees us in Christ. And his love for us never changes. Now, what does that do? Does that make us want to go out and sin more? Don't make me want to go out and sin more, does it? It makes it, it made endears Christ to us even more. <laughs> my God loves me despite my sinfulness because He bought me and He paid for my eternal soul. Let that just be in your thoughts this week. That God's love towards you is absolutely eternal. It'll never change. And think of this too. This is what I was reflecting on this week is, is before the Lord saved me and how wicked I was. And yeah, I'm still wicked as a sinner. But then just outrightly just not even acknowledging you know, who the God of the Bible is because I didn't know him. And yet even then, his love was upon me. My. And there I was breaking his laws and sinning against him and, and you know, we, we as sinners still break his laws, don't we? But praise God, that law is holy and, and, and wonderful, but we're not under that law anymore. Christ has paid the penalty for his people. Now, we don't just disregard it, do we? It's from God. But praise God, we're not under it. Christ is what? I'm going to close with this. Christ is what? He is the end of the law for righteousness. He's the end of the law for his people. He didn't come to abolish law, but he came to fulfill it. And he fulfilled it for every single one of his elect. And then I'm going to use one more thought. I want us to think upon this. I want us to think upon this. Christ's thoughts are to us. He's ever mindful of us. His thoughts are fixed upon us.